Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So I told the quick story when Johnny Bench called me the day I got, uh, I won the award and he congratulated me and all that. And then his voice got very soft while talking to me. And he said, Tim, it's moments like this that take you back to Little League. And I was just about ready to cry again. And he said, and let's face it, Tim, you could still fit into a Little League uniform. (laughs) (laughs) This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I, I don't do rankings. I don't say this is the best thing that we've ever seen or anything like that. I really don't do that. We've done this show for a long time. The Tim Kirkchin segment yesterday was one of the best. Did you see some yes. of the clips on ESPN? I, I have not. Some, uh, my friend Adam Mandel sent me the speech. Uh, I can watch the entire speech. Um, what were the clips like? No, if, if you watch the clips again, having heard his stories and recollections, it's just to know what was going on in his mind as he's totally composed. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I was explaining to Carol last night, who really wasn't listening. I was just talking. I don't even know if she was in the room. Actually, <laughs> I was explaining the, the thing that I said on the air about how write, this is what writers do. Writers write things down and then memorize them. It's, it's what they do when they have to make a speech because you want to always have contact. Yeah. You want to always be able to look at people. You want to know how is this speech going? Is it working out? So speaking of which, Cooperstown, uh, this is sent to me by Rick Keister who says, little-known useless fact, the great Susquehanna River, which flows into Chesapeake Bay, starts as a tiny stream in Cooperstown. I know this. Okay. There's a sign there. There's a sign that this is the beginning of the Susquehanna River, which also, by the way, flows by Binghamton, which is why I had always known it. The Susquehanna River flows by Hancock, New York. I mean, in my youth, the Susquehanna River was a river that I was familiar with, but the tributary of it, I think that's what it's called, the tributary. Sure. It starts right by Lake Otisaga. And Lake Otsego. This was your like morning walk. Otsego, yes. And so you know that. There's a plaque. There's a blue and gold plaque, New York State blue and gold plaque that says this is where it starts, the mighty Susquehanna. <laughs> so, Rick, thanks. But, like, I knew that. I'm one of the few who actually knew that, and I paid homage to it. Uh, there's not much to talk about today. There's not a lot going on. Um, did you stay up for Soto's first at bat? No, I did not. I, I the, the, the game started Angeles? at ten. Future Dodger. <laughs> yeah, game started at ten. Future Dodger. And the Nats now have won two in a row. The Nats beat the Dodgers, and Soto hit a triple. Yeah, yeah, Looked just one of those runs. perfectly placed cue balls that just skirted out to right field. Who plays right for them now? Oh, the Dodgers, Mookie Betts. Yeah, so you know they're not. They have Betts, Bellinger, and who else is in the outfield for them? They they don't they don't need him. They honestly don't need him. I don't know. Well, they didn't need Trey Turner yeah, either, but they, they knew they... Corey Seager was going to leave, and it made it easier. But they've got Mookie Betts. They've got Cody Bellinger. Who was their left fielder? Trace Thompson played last night. Trace Thompson. Now that's that's Michael Thompson's son and Clay Thompson's brother. But he was he's a call up, so maybe Soto goes to left. You know, I don't know. I did love uh, Soto's answer when they're like, so is Trey Turner like recruiting you over All-Star Week? And he goes, no, I was recruiting him. Yeah. He at least plays the game. Now he knows how it does. He knows how it works. Anyway, so um, the, one, the one thing that I thought I would talk about, we've talked about summer schedule a lot. And I said we're going to be, starting next week, we're going to be sort of hit and miss in August. I mean, we're going to try and do as many shows as we can. But you may not get it on a Monday if you're used to getting on a Monday or Wednesday or Friday. You may get it when you get it. You know, it'll, it'll still... 
there'll be, as we often say, as I don't say, but as Matt Kelleher says, when we're on ESPN2, he goes, but an ESPN1 effort, huh? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> an ESPN1 effort. If so you don't get it, you don't get so it. So it'll, pod- it'll be a true podcast effort. I mean, no matter when we do it. One of the things that will be on... Um, Oh, I have a call coming in. Yeah. Michael, just see who that is. Um, I, my phone is often, you know. Normally when I text me. you, I get notifications silenced. Mm, I don't know how to do silence. It's an Arlington, Virginia number, so it could be spam. Could be spam. Yeah, but it also could be people I need. So just go. Well, I, I silenced it and I let it go to voicemail. Oh, I don't think they ever do voicemail. I don't think they do that. Well, if you're expecting a call, they could leave a voicemail. Yeah. To- okay. Um, so anyway, what I wanted to get to, this is a small thing. Um, in the happy anniversary today, because I write these the day before, except for Trails. Trails is written day of, but birthday and Annie is written day before. This is the 50th anniversary of one of the weird things that ever happened in sports in this regard. This was the day that Bob Ursay, not Jim Ursay, you know, not the uh, texting maniac. The mad tweeter? Yeah, not him. Uh, his dad. His dad, who I believe was a Cleveland businessman, but I'm not certain of this. He bought the Los Angeles Rams on this day and held a press conference saying that he was going to trade. Actually, the Baltimore Colts held a press conference. He was going to trade the Los Angeles Rams, to Carol Rosenblum, who owned the Baltimore Colts at that time. And the Baltimore Colts with Johnny Unitas. Sure. Yeah. They were the greatest team in football. The Green Bay Packers and the Baltimore Colts. Packers won, Colts two, maybe the old Cleveland Browns three or something like that with Otto Graham. That's a long time back. And they traded franchises. And Carol Rosenblum moved out to L.A. and took the Rams and Bob Ursay moved to Baltimore and took the Colts. In the ensuing years, the Colts fell and fell to such a degree that if anybody's old enough to remember this in 1983 or 1984, there was a small single passenger plane that sort of crash landed in Memorial Stadium and hit nobody <laughs> because there was nobody there. <laughs> the there stadium. was nobody there. <laughs> And the, the, nobody came to games. They had a couple of good quarterbacks after Unitas, but not nearly as good as Unitas. And so the only success that Bob Ursay ever had was after he moved, and he became villainous for moving. If you think that Art Modell was villainous for moving, well, Bob Ursay was villainous for moving in the middle of the night. The Mayflower trucks, With right? Mayflower trucks, literally in the middle of the night, taking all the equipment out of Baltimore and bringing it to Indianapolis. Now, at that period of time, I think it would be fair to say Indianapolis was sort of the definition of a hick town in terms of major league sports. I mean, who were they? Maybe they had, did they already have an ABA basketball team, the Indiana Pacers? Maybe they did. But so what? It was not an NBA team. It was an ABA team because this is before, I believe it's before, maybe it's not. Maybe it's after the merger, but it doesn't matter. You know, they were hick. Now, they achieved success once they got Peyton Manning. But they had no success before that, really. Nothing truly to speak of. Maybe with Harbaugh, maybe some of those teams did well. The Cardiac Colts, they were in Indianapolis at that time. But the true success came when Peyton Manning brought them to Super Bowls. In the meantime, Carol Rosenblum's Rams, for six years in a row, won 
10 games, at least 10 games and the division. And then the seventh year when they won nine games, 1979, they went to the Super Bowl. So they were really, really good. Carol Rosenblum, if I remember correctly, and someone will check me. Nigel, you should check me. If I remember correctly, Carol Rosenblum married a woman named Georgia Frontiere, if I remember correctly. And Carol Rosenblum drowned in the Pacific Ocean in some sort of mysterious way that nobody actually knows. And ultimately, Georgia, Georgia Frontieri, who at one point, I think, was in shows in Las Vegas, was a showgirl. Um, and if I'm getting this wrong, just correct me. But at that, that point, Georgia Frontieri moved the Rams. She moved the Rams. I, the Rams were one of the most successful franchises of all time to St. Louis, where, by the way, they were successful and they had Kurt Warner. And then, and then the universe was set right a few years back and they returned to Los Angeles, their rightful home. Because the first professional sports in the West, in America, was the NFL, with the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers, before baseball got out there, before basketball got out there. Am I right about the drowning incident with Carol Rosenblum? Yes, April 2nd, 1979, at the age of 72, mm-hmm. a doctor said there, there isn't any reason to believe this is anything other than an unfortunate accident. Right. However, son Steve Rosenblum stated that his yes. father was a pool swimmer and never went to, into water alone. Yes. And there was room, I guess, some theories that he had been involved with gamblers. Yes. And this had, it was mysterious. Yes. And it was his wife, Georgia Frontiere? Yes. And was she a former showgirl? Uh, Las Vegas. And did she move the team to, to St. Louis? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. You know. I, again, I don't remember anything that's happened since 1990. <laughs> but prior to that, I'm pretty good. So that's an interesting anniversary today because of, we won't get to any of those things. We'll just get to the team's records. But Barber say became a terrible villain, I feel. You know, just awful. Oh, sure. Middle of the night. I absconding st- with the uniforms. He's <laughs> the Baltimore Colts. Wasn't the, I, I seem to remember watching a, a newscast of somebody out there being like, you can see That's the exactly right. <laughs> Famous newscast. Yeah, the trucks, yeah. trucks yeah. are leaving. Yeah. And it was, and they didn't stop till they got to Indy. And this is before, you know, 24 hour news, you know, yeah. programs, yeah. but it was, yeah. So remember that. And, and then they get Cleveland down the road. Yeah. But, and then Cleveland's, and now Cleveland has the, their team back. Cleveland has a team back. Yeah. They, no. they were always going to repatriate a team in Cleveland. Yeah, you got to have a team there. Great fans. Yeah. All right, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And um, do we have Booger next? We or do have Booger. Do we have Jason Samino? Sammy. Uh, no, Talk Booger, about terrible weather. Booger's up first. Okay. Yes. Booger McFarlane, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Sam. Sam is a member of the Philly-based psych folk band, I don't know what that means, called Ellison Jackson. Not Edwin Jackson, who used to pitch for the Nats at right. one point, but Ellison Jackson. They wanted to submit a couple of songs based on a recommendation by my bandmate, Jay Johnson, yes, we who just... we played yesterday. Yes. This is called Going Clear. This first song is called Going Clear, and it plays in. 
Booger McFarland, who we haven't talked to in a while, who I miss. We tried to talk to him. He's traveling a couple of weeks ago. And we were going to talk to him about Baker Mayfield. But we have a much better deal now. But before we get to the football part, have you played golf at any fancy courses lately? Uh, fancy courses? No, not yet, Tony. I, I got a couple of rounds lined up at uh, Shinny and National um, in Oakmont. In August, when the weather is really, uh, really nice, but nothing so far. Okay, so I've been to all of those. I've played all of those, and that there, you're going to love them beyond words. They're be- Shinnecock is beautiful. Shinnecock, the first hole from the tee, you sort of walk down into a valley, and sometimes when it's foggy, you think you've walked into another time and place. And national, wow. Michael, isn't national where you eat the lobster and you have to lobster put on a lunch, ja- wear a jacket? Yeah, yeah you got to wear a jacket to eat the lobster lunch, which is totally worth it at national. And Oakmont is, you know, one of the great courses in America. They took there are no trees anymore. About ten, twelve years ago, they took down all the trees. You're going to love these courses. Yeah, I've played Oakmont. The other two I haven't, so I'm definitely looking forward to a, a little golf on the uh, East Coast and in, in Pittsburgh coming up here next month. All right, well, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh, but you're going to be on Long Island. This is where I was born, Long Island. This is, you're going to be out on the north shore of Suffolk County, or no, south shore of Suffolk County in the Hamptons area. You're going to love it. Those courses are fabulous. They really are. You're going to love them. What's the other one we played? West Hampton Beach? We played West Hampton. We also played Friars Head. And Friars Head. Try and get to Friars Head. Try and do that. Yeah, I've heard a lot about. I've heard about Friars Head. I hadn't heard of the other one, but Friars Head has also come with a lot of acclaim. Yes. Well, West Hampton is, is a Seth Rayner course, and we played that too. You, I, I envy you. You're going to have such a good time. Good for you. Yes, sir. That's good. All right. Um, by the way, how, you're in Tampa. How hot is it in Tampa these days? Is it, are you in a heat no, wave situation? Great. It's actually... So, so I, I, I went to Louisiana a couple weekends ago, just a little buddy's trip. And at nighttime, at like 9 o'clock at night, when the sun was right. down and it was pitch black dark, it was 91 degrees. So you can imagine how hot it was during the day. Now, yeah. Tampa is, is more to your style. In the middle of the day, it's 95, 96. But at nighttime, it gets down to 75, 76. Oh. No humidity. Very, very pleasant. So uh, Tampa's doing well. Uh, not quite as hot as Louisiana. Okay. All right. Okay. So here's, here's what I want to talk about from the perspective of a former player, which you are, and I'm not Deshaun Watson, to my knowledge has the discipline has not been announced yet. If there will be any discipline and Deshaun Watson, who the Cleveland Browns signed to a guaranteed $230 million contract a while back, causing upheaval in, you know, in the town and on the roster, Deshaun Watson, training camp, I think, maybe begins tomorrow or the day after, but they have informal sessions, and there's photos of him and footage of him out there in Cleveland Brown gear, sort of hanging around with the players and sort of throwing footballs and sort of working out. What do you think, if you're another player, what what do you think of this? Well, you know, Tony, I I have to take this in in, in layers, and I I think the first layer... Um, I have to kind of realize that the organization has made a decision and they brought Deshaun Watson in. Um, I think the organization has done due diligence that makes them feel comfortable. Now it comes to a personal issue with me as a player. 
uh, yeah, some players are going to say that they're, they're oblivious to everything that's going on, and that's a total lie. Like, everybody's watching the news. Everybody's watching SportsCenter. Everybody's watching Adam Schefter's Twitter line to see what's going on. So everybody knows everything that everyone has been reporting, and so we all know that. The thing that I'll say is this, is that uh, as of right now, two grand juries have um, looked at everything and decided not to charge him. That's right. So am I, as a player on his team, going to hold him to a higher standard than the law? Probably not, because that's not my job. Uh, then it right. comes to a personal issue. Uh, a lot of guys in that locker room are, are married and or with kids and or have daughters. And so now you have to come to a, a situation where you ask yourself, how do you feel as a parent having a child? And, you know, would I want Deshaun Watson to date my daughter? Absolutely not. Hell no, because I think at the very least he is a pervert. Um, you know, even if we're going to go with everything that the criminal system has said, which they've said we don't have anything, you know, the, the, the fact that you have uh, 40 to 50 or 60 women, whatever the number is, that have uh, that you've solicited for massages, and some of these massages have led to other things, uh, and this is kind of your thing. Like, this is how you go about doing your business. At the very least, in my book, he's a pervert. Now, um, is that going to stop me from playing with them? No, it's not, Tony, because when you're in a locker room and you got 53 guys, I think it's 60 guys now with practice squads or even more than that, everybody has a, has a, has a, a life outside of football. And what you do outside of football, as long as you aren't breaking the law, uh, usually doesn't affect the common goal, especially if you don't bring it to the field. As a player, all I want you to do is show up and do your job. Uh, do I have to like what you do? Do I have to like that some of these guys go out at night and party? No. Do I have to like that some of these guys go out and smoke weed? No. Do I have to like that some of these guys have an alternative lifestyle? No. What I have to do is respect it, and if you come to work and do your job as a starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, then I can't really have a problem with you. And I think as, as a player, I've always looked at it that way. You have to do your job first. The organization has to do all the due diligence and, and, and morality, police, et cetera, et cetera. Then as a yeah. player, I don't have to go to lunch with you or go to dinner with you all the time. What I have to do is make sure that you show up and do your job and do it as we all are. And I think if he would do that, Tony, I would be okay. I know that he's a very talented quarterback, but I'm also, I don't know what I'm going to say is true, but I believe it's true. I believe he will not start this season with the Cleveland Browns. I believe there will be discipline, and I personally believe he'll lose the whole season, but maybe it will be fewer games than that, and maybe he'll play. He will eventually play. I'm just wondering if players, particularly offensive players, if they say, what is the guy doing here? This is a mirage. He's not going to be the quarterback when we start, so what are we doing? Well, he's, uh, you're right, but the, the rules of the CBA allow him to practice. And right. even if he's not going to start the season, this is still meaningful time for him to get in, get to know his teammates, uh, get reps, learn the offense. Yeah. He hadn't played football in a year. So for nothing yep. else, this is really good for him to get in shape and, and, and get back into to a football mindset. And you're right. I think he's going to be suspended, Tony. How long? I, don't, I do not know. If I were a betting man, I'd bet eight games. Okay, yeah. I bet some of your money that you, that you're saving up living in the attic and doing PTI <laughs> from the attic. All that money you're saving, that's what I bet. Okay, I honestly think it's only going to be eight games. 
but let's just say, worst case scenario, it's a year. And, and, you, and you still ask that question, why is he there? Why is he practicing? Because Tony is 26 years old, and at some point, based on the contract he signed, he is going to be the quarterback of the Cleveland yes. Browns. And yes. so when you can rip the scab off and put him on the field and show him to your fan base and show him to uh, marketing and show him to everyone and everybody sees him in that number four uniform, it just starts the process that we know at some point is going to start eventually. And let's not forget, this is not only – uh, a, a football team. This is entertainment and a business investment. So there are going to be some jerseys sold. There are going to be some tickets yeah. sold. There are going to be yeah. some suites sold. All realizing that at some point, number four is going to be the quarterback. No, I I agree with all of that. I just and I appreciate what you're saying as a player about you may be judgmental in certain areas, but you're not going to be judgmental on the field because you all have to work together. I just wonder if 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 there are any players out there, and you know player mentality that they sit together in a locker room and one guy says to another, get this guy out of here now. When he's ready to play, fine, but get him out of here now because they're it's going to hurt that, the Tony. other quarterbacks. Right, Tony, they're going to say that, that there's always going to be pockets of players that are going to kind of have and, and say things under their breath and whatever. That's right. fine. Let me ask you okay. this, Tony, okay? Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you and I work for the same company. Let's mm-hmm. put a similar situation, maybe not as public, but has there, has there ever been anyone or was there or would there be some situation where you couldn't work with someone because of their off-the-field discretions, even though those off-the-field discretions may not have led them to a criminal outcome? Um, I think, yeah, uh, my answer would be yes, that I, I could envision a circumstance in which I said to the producers of my particular show, I'd rather not work with X for personal reasons. Yes. Wouldn't you do the same thing? I think you would do it um, in a situation. However, you know, when it comes to a football team where you only get 17 shots a year and you you only play for, you know, five months a year and there's such a finite time and the amount of money is so absorbing. And like you have to ask yourself, are, are you willing to allow someone else to to uh, to make you miss out on what you've worked so hard for. And, and I think that's where okay, I, I get I, that. I'm sorry to put you in that position, but that's where it, it, it's a little different, you know? Yeah, no. And I agree. I agree with all of that. And I also think that the, one of the differences is there's a dynamic on a team that needs to be achieved for a team to be successful. And everybody sort of has right. to pull together. They have to, you don't have to do that. If you're, if you're on a television show by yourself, you were know, doing stand-up comedy. It's just you, and it's really different. I'll get you out of here on this. Um, everybody's looked at Matthew Stafford and that lovely commercial about how it's life-changing that he's with AT&T and he made this one decision. There is one person out there this year who has that same potential. That's Russell Wilson at Denver. Do you think that, that a quarterback is a miracle worker or are you one of those people that says, Denver's not good enough in that division. It doesn't matter who Russell Wilson is. They're just not good enough. Yeah, I don't know if Denver's good enough, Tony. Um, I think there's motivation on both parts. And usually where there's motivation, there is uh, an incentive uh, for everyone to give it their all. Like Denver hasn't won in a long time. Denver, we've mm-hmm. all said Denver's quarterback away, and here comes the quarterback. Russell yep. Wants to be the guy, like he wants to be the reason we win, not a part of the team that wins. And in Seattle, everyone basically told him, "Nah, we won because of defense and running game when we did win." And you were just a quarterback. 
Russell has been very good. Russell is flawed, like a lot of quarterbacks in this league. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he meshes and how he's able to get the best out of that talent. He wants a new contract. There's also more motivation there. I just don't know if, if, if Russell is going to be the type of guy that Stafford was. Like Stafford, when Stafford went to L.A., Stafford said, I'm a great player, and I want to be able to show my greatness on a stage that everybody can see it. Like, I can throw with the best of them. And he showed us that. Russell is going to get an opportunity. They're going to put the offense on him at some point. Yeah, Denver's going to try to run the football. But at some point, as a quarterback, you got to drop back and throw the football from the pocket. And I think that's where Russell wants to prove to everyone, Richard Sherman, myself, maybe even you, that he's as good as everyone uh, thinks he is doing that. And, and I can't wait to watch it because I have my doubts about Russell, and I want to see him in a division, Tony, where all four teams could Oof. win the division Oof. or all yeah. four teams could finish last. Yeah, that's a great division. Booger, enjoy the golf. I envy you. It's beautiful up there. And thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Anytime, Tony. Have a great rest of your summer, man. Booger McFarland, boys and girls. When we come back, Jason Saminow will explain to us, I hope, why it's so hot. <laughs> why it's this hot. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is a Philadelphia band called Ellison Jackson. They claim to be psych folk. I just, I don't even have any idea what that might mean. I don't know, but it's psychedelic it, folk I, band. Yeah, psychedelic or a, folk or a psychological, psychological folk. Band. No, I'm going to go with they're psychiatrists. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with psychedelic. You know. Ellison Jackson. This is called Trash Man. Like, like everything named Trash Man. Um, Michael, if people like Ellison Jackson want to submit their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. So during the summer, uh, we try to do things a little bit differently and try to get off the grid a little bit. Like the other day, we had Noah Petro, and he talked to us about the Webb Telescope which is sending back pictures that are remarkable from apparently millions of years ago, which I still don't understand. Billions. I don't really understand that. So we've had Jason Salmon of the, of the Capital Weather Gang on before, and we're bringing him in because in the last week, it's been really, really hot in Washington, but hotter in other places in the country. It is so hot in Europe that people are passing out. They're just passing out. They're not, they're, they don't have any air conditioning in Europe. Not like they do here. I mean, certain places in Europe, like Spain, I'm sure they do. But England, they don't. Switzerland, they don't. Norway, they don't. Um, and then we had a crazy thunderstorm yesterday in Washington at about 4 o'clock. Yes. That was violent and insane and drove me off the porch because <laughs> it, was, it was getting me soaking wet standing on my own porch. A little early for the Johnny Walker Blue. Yeah, much too early. <laughs> so we asked Jason... What is going on? Is there, is there a theory about 
why this is happening and will it continue? Or is, is this just sort of, yeah, it happens every year? Yeah, no, uh, good morning and great to be on with you guys. Um, you know, some of this is just summer, you know. I mean, it gets hot in the summer, of course. But, uh, you know, what I would call this is like summer on steroids, right? And, of course, this is due to the uh, extra heating of the atmosphere due to human-caused climate change. You know, we're pumping greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. We're causing things to warm up. It's not like it wasn't hot before in the 1930s and the 1920s. You know, we had the Dust Bowl in the 1930s. But... You know, now we've got an extra factor at play, which is boosting the heat. And that's all these gases we're pumping into the atmosphere. And so that's why the heat is more intense. And that's why we're seeing highs like 104 degrees in London. And, you know, we're seeing 45 days of 100 degree weather in San Antonio, whereas the historical average was five. You know, so we're seeing like just the heat at another level. We're taking it to the next level. And this is just the beginning because what we're seeing right now is a preview of what will be pretty routine, you know, a couple, three decades from now. Does anyone still believe that there's no global warming? Does anyone believe this? Or does everybody sort of understand we've done this to ourselves? You know, we're cooking ourselves. You know, does anyone not believe yeah. in this? Yeah, I mean, you always have on any issue. You have some people on the fringe who are, you know, unconvinced it's happening. Um, that's a very small number now, but you have maybe a, a larger number and they tend to lean right a center who maybe aren't convinced that it's that serious or that, you know, it's worth doing anything about. So, um, you know, you have a bunch of different camps and then you have sort of a, a group of people in the center who are concerned and think we should do something. And then you've got people who are extremely alarmed and, you know, think, you know, Biden needs to declare a climate emergency and we need to, you know, basically wean ourselves off fossil fuels as fast as we can. Um, you know, so we reduce the, uh, the risk of these, uh, unwelcome effects in future decades and we got to slow this down and so that's that's kind of the spectrum you know you've got you've got you've got uh, the unconvinced you've got the people who are concerned and then you've got the alarmed what what i have wondered about and i mean and i understand it gets hot in the summer and if it's 95 to 100 degrees it's been 95 to 100 degrees before exactly what i am concerned about is the sort of wild tempered weather that we have like the thunderstorms seem meaner, like sometimes the snow seems meaner. It just, it like often seems, Jason, that, that our extreme weather is more extreme than it used to be. Is that tied into global warming too? I mean, the, these yeah, winds, yeah, we had so many winds this winter. We're not used to the wind. Go ahead. Yeah, no, there's absolutely a link, especially with uh, intense precipitation events, because when you heat up the atmosphere that uh, increases evaporation. It puts more water vapor in the air for these storms to draw from. And so you get uh, heavier downpours, um, you get more extreme precipitation events. And, you know, we, we see that with, um, you know, some of the deluges uh, that we've seen here in the DC area in recent years, Ellicott city having two 500 year floods yeah. in three years in 2016 and 2018. Right. Um, you know, we saw it with, um, you know, the remnants of hurricane Ida sweeping through, uh, New York City last year, you know, killing dozens of people, flooded, dying in their basement apartments, you know, with the water just overwhelming the systems that were that were built and can't withstand, you know, rainfall of this intensity. So absolutely, uh, precipitation events become more intense as you heat up the atmosphere. And we're seeing that play out. I mean, even this morning, 
as we're talking, you know, St. Louis is under a flash flood emergency and they've had seven inches of rain overnight. So, you know, you see an increase of these types of events. So America is a really big country and we know where it's hot and we know where it's cold and, you know, maybe it's hotter in San Antonio now than it's been forever and ever and ever. But we expect it to be hot in San Antonio in the summer. We expect that. It's the Europe thing that is, you know, mind boggling to me. You know, over 100 in Europe, that my uh, Helen, who helps me train, Helen's in Switzerland. She said it was 80 in Switzerland. Can't be 80 in Switzerland. It's just too hot. You know, the Von Trapp family is sweating to death in, in Switzerland. Why is it so hot in Europe? Is it the same answer? Yeah, more or less. I mean, um, you know, not only was it 104 in London, but it was 104 in Hamburg, which is in Germany, which is even farther north than London. And, you know, we, yeah. we've seen in recent years, you know, it reaching 100 degrees even into the Arctic Circle, which is just kind of crazy. Um, so, um, yeah, no, the same thing is going on, you know, across the hemisphere. And uh, I, I think that, um, you know, anywhere you go, you're going to expect your heat extremes to take it up a notch. Um, you know, and as I said, you know, what we're seeing now, we really haven't seen uh, nothing yet, as they say, because this is going to continue, um, you know, per, for the rest of our lifetimes and our children's lifetimes. If we slow it down, we can maybe um, take an edge off of it. And, you know, that's that's the uh, the whole point of climate policy is we don't want things to get too much out of control. They've already gotten out of control enough. So um, we, we, we've got to try to do something here. Is there relief in the, because I'm selfish, is there relief in the short term? I mean, are, are in, in the Washington, D.C. area, is it going to be 95 every day for a while or no? No, we're, we're looking pretty good this week. Um, you know, yesterday we got into the 90s and that was our eighth day in a row. But today we will not hit 90. Low 80s may be the best we do. And then we're looking mostly at mid to upper 80s the rest of this week. There are some signs that it might heat up again um, as we get into August. Uh, there might be another heat wave setting up. But uh, actually, for, for D.C., we've had a pretty normal summer. Our, our temperatures are close to average. So yeah. uh, we, haven't, yeah. we haven't done too badly compared to other parts of the country. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma, I mean, you say it's hot there, but it's been historically hot. And, you know, it's not just summer that they're experiencing this year. They're seeing something unlike they've seen before in places like Austin and San Antonio, even Houston, which are all having their hottest summer on record. Can I ask the idiotic question and, you know, which is, are animals like, will animals, are there certain animals that will become extinct? I mean, I, I guess that there is a built in thing for animals that they know how to deal with weather or climate change, but I don't know. I mean, couldn't this kill species of animals, this kind of heat? Yeah. I mean, they're climate scientists who, um, that's all they do is they study how, um, you know, the, the, the changing climate and the change in weather extremes will affect, you know, animals, nature, uh, biological systems. And, yeah, no, there are definitely concerns that uh, climate change may um, cause some species to go extinct because, um, you know, if they live on mountains and they, they require, require the temperature to be within a certain range and then temperatures exceed that range, they're not going to be able to survive that. So there is that concern that some species will, will go away because um, the climate conditions they're adapted to uh, you know, the, uh, will be pushed out of this. Is there any chance that the squirrels that are stealing and eating my tomatoes <laughs> could be made extinct <laughs> by the heat? I was hoping for that. That would be a good, uh, you outcome. know, you're talking to the wrong guy. Cause I'm a fan of squirrels. So, you know, I like, uh, I like squirrels, but no, I, mean, I, I guess about a garden, I wouldn't, but, uh, I yeah, no, them. I think they're pretty well adapted to the heat. Uh, 
Thank you, Jason. Jason <laughs> sure, Samuel, no boys and girls. Every once in a while, it's fun to get somebody like that on. Absolutely. We will take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. lovely it's the cane bay high school choir in south carolina is that anywhere near where chan and moni are in a little the, bit north a little bit north of that just lovely now do you want to do the bethesda bagel ad yes bethesda bagels we love them you will as well just go to bethesdabagels.com for the location in the dc area nearest you then pop on in and you'll be thrilled bagel sandwiches yesterday delicious yes delicious very good regular bagels regular today. bagels today good, good yeah delicious. we like the variety that's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, I don't know why I love you like I do. All the changes you put me through. Take my money, my cigarettes. I haven't seen the worst of it yet. I want to know that you'll tell me I love to stay. Take me to the river. Drop me in the water. Now, I know two versions of that. I know the Al Green version and the Talking Heads version. Yes. And I like them both. <laughs> They're both really good. I like them both, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, I, I won't choose between them. I think I was listening to the Talking Heads version. I think this is probably closer to their lyrics yeah. than the Reverend Al Green. Yeah. But you're right. You listen to them and you're like, great. Oh, this is fantastic. Just both great. Thanks to our guests today, Booger McFarlane and Jason Samino. Thanks to today's sponsor, Solo Stove. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. And to get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Bootsy will be very happy to confirm who uses the red microphone and the green microphone. That's good. Is he doing podcasts when we're uh, gone? Yes, he, he set up a podcast studio in his bedroom. That's right. And he gets out of bed every night. He does a little overnight, a uh, little late night show, then puts himself to sleep. So, you know, should we could get Van Pelt to talk to him, and Van Pelt could talk to him about Sure. The joys of doing things in the middle of the night. That's great. Uh, from Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd in Columbus, Ohio. Dear Captain's Grandpa, in regards to your squirrel problem, growing up in Piedmont, Ohio, we had a very specific way of dealing with chesty squirrels who ravaged our gardens. If they pull a knife, you pull a gun. If they send one of yours to the hospital, you send one of theirs to the morgue. That's the Piedmont, Ohio way. Two more tomatoes this morning. I'm down yeah. to about four left in the entire patch. That's an escalation. Two more yeah. left on top of the deck. Squirrels laughing at me. Yeah, laughing at obviously, me. listen yesterday and they're angry. From Ruck at the Soviet Safeway. Not, not the... Not the refugee. Not the refugee, refugee Safeway. Safeway. Or, not the the social, social Safeway. or the social Safeway. Soviet or the Safeway. secret Safeway. I completely understand your squirrel issues. Or the Sanctuary Safeway. Yes. I got off my shift at the Soviet Safeway, pulled into my driveway and looked at my tomatoes. Lo and behold, they're the biggest squirrel I'd ever seen. I got out of my car, got out of my car to defend my plants, come to find out it's not a squirrel. It's a groundhog <laughs> that looked at me and then ran off with my tomato under my neighbor's patio. My 84-year-old neighbor, Margo, whose son is a little, gave me a shirt that said, I have reason to believe the squirrels are mocking me. Gotta love it. Do you have chipmunks in your neighborhood? Yes. Yes, little varmints. Yeah, they've yes. been a problem before as well, haven't they? Yes. Chessie takes care of them. <laughs> Chessie. Yeah, she takes care of them. A haiku from Shad for half-eaten tomatoes. Placed for all to see a remnant of your failures taunted by squirrels. Then we got this weird thing from Kuki Renoso, who sends weird things every once in a while. It's, uh, it says, hope everyone is doing well. It's been a while since I did one of these. The squirrels are sending a message. And it's a picture of me screaming 
in in cartoons. Oh yeah, it's in, Jack Waltz. Yeah, yeah instead of a to- horse's head, it's, it's just tomatoes. Heirloom tomatoes, <laughs> bloody heirloom tomatoes. It's very weird. Thank you, Cookie. Um, from Jay. While listening to last Friday's show, I was also hurriedly searching for an anniversary gift for the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. Since this is year five, the wood gift anniversary, and you mentioned a woodworking company, this appeared to be a serendipitous moment. I did a quick Google search, found Mikotowski Woodworking, actually talked to Jesse on the phone and ordered a beautiful jewelry box. Thank you for leading me to water, Dr. Hoffwaff. Someday my wife may become a little, and I'm hoping this gift will be the start of her journey. That's, that makes us so happy. That people who are good to us, that the littles... Yes. Just to be happy, you know, the boys have already squirreled away their little boxes of treasure. <laughs> who knows what's in them? <laughs> From John Sully Sullivan in Salisbury, Maryland. Despite being a longtime little and a fan since the early 80s, it wasn't until your recent segments on the AAU Traveling Wilbons that I felt compared to author an email of gratitude. The segments have brought back wonderful memories of following my daughter's field hockey club team to Phoenix and Disney for tournaments. Like Wilbon, I was the oldest parent and often just one of a few fathers. Unlike Wilbon, there was no fear of us dads losing tempers at refs since none of us knew the rules. I'm proud to say Saliza's wife recruited my daughter to play at Catholic, but ultimately she chose to play at Salisbury. Thank you for many years of enjoyment. From Jason Brock, having a son that is halfway 20 years old to being a man, I've been through the travel baseball experience. As I listen to Wilbon talk about his son in basketball, it hit me that the first time he was surprised by something, I wasn't. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) From Joel Westbrook in Madison, Virginia. Long ago, when my daughter was a small child, she pulled a loose tooth, brought it to me, held it out in her hand, and said, give me the money. I replied, if you don't play the game, you can't win the prize. Words to live by. Got to be tough with your children. From Ken Scudder, in, but not from Philly. So you went golfing with the owner of your lawn care service and lost seven balls in the high grass? Irony, thy name is Satchmo. (laughs) Yeah, Finn and I were out there. Finn didn't lose any balls, I don't think. Finn's a good player. Yeah, you said he was a seven or something like that? Oh, no, he's better than that. Really? Oh, he's an A-team player, Finn. (laughs) Yeah, low single digit. Wow. Brian Pyle in Derby, probably pronounced Darby, England. I would like to invite you to my wedding, and you don't even need to fly. It took place on December 29th, 1993. Just get Nigel's NASA buddy to dial in the web telescope on the Waukegan, <laughs> Illinois County Courthouse for said date. Hope you see me there. High school yearbook name, Allegaroo. God knows. It's a great, <laughs> such a great email. Um, from Nancy in North Potomac. Last week, my husband and I visited our daughter in Los Angeles and saw a completely naked man strolling down Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, which reminded me of my all-time favorite TK story of the naked man on Grub Street in Silver Spring. After a few days in L.A., we flew to, flew to Portland, Oregon to visit our... Do you remember that? I do. I, I remember just, you, you walked in. You're like, you I won't believe what I just... Guys, please, he's walking up the street towards the light. On, on East West Highway, he's yeah. completely naked. Bizarre. After a few days in L.A., we flew to Portland, Oregon to visit our son and his husband, who are well acquainted with various Oregon wineries. On Thursday, they took us to Bell's Up for a wine tasting. Meeting Dave Spector and his family was a thrill, and we had a fabulous wine tasting experience. The property and its views are stunning, and Dave made us feel very welcome. Anyone who visits the Portland area should definitely go to Bell's Up. That's great. And there's uh, one more, and it's from Will in Southeast D.C., Move over trailer game. There's a new sheriff in town. This appeared on my block this weekend. It's a boat. It's a boat on a, on a trailer. Yeah. It's just a boat. I'm on a boat. You know, if you or any of the littles know the DC number for boat removal. It's going fast. Please I believe, let me know. I believe there's a flat tire on the, uh, on the boat trailer. It appears to be Boat you. trailer. Yeah. Are you kidding me? 
If you're in that boat or if you're anywhere else and you're out on your bike tonight, do wear white. Go Victor Robles because we saw Victor Robles. Yep, face of the team. <laughs>
Come 